0: One of the challenges that we have in today's church is that we know too much about God and we know nothing of Him. We got nothing that comes and emanates from Him. But we keep moving on In our own program about God and the church becomes like an advertising agency that's trying to sell a product that they have not tasted you're trying to market something of which you have no physical tangible experience a lot of people come on the pulpit every now and then and they try to introduce God from an intellectual point of view they try to explain God they try to convince a generation to switch towards God from a literary point of view and we are constantly engulfed in a rhythm of church branding and ministry marketing and and we have multi-million dollar budget each year for advertising and and we continue to bombard people just like you know you get bombarded with all those marketing email and marketing apps and all those things going on on social media about what God can do what this product can do but let me say somebody you somebody one encounter one e- testimony of one individual who have really seen God encountered God that touched God he's bigger and greater than 5,000 of marketing and the Lord said to me I want to send my presence in the church I want to release my glory on my people. I want to rescue a generation. I want to bring revival. I want to cause the men and women of God not to only talk about God or to sing the hymns and to dance the days, but to really have a tangible, substantial lifestyle experience of God. And that's why we came on on this mission to Toronto. And when I came to Toronto, I found that I, I was not alone he was not just me seeking for something deeper searching for something greater he was I was not just alone as I started to talk to a bunch of believers I started to talk to pastor Fabian I started to talk to a uh, brother Carlton. I started to talk to a lot of believers in this region and I found that that there are still some remnant army some remnant generation who don't want to be stalker in the mundane expression of God but who are looking and searching for the glory there are people in this city who are hungry for the presence of god and hungry for the anointing. there are people who believe that the miracles of the bible is not just old-time white fables it's not just some gimmicks and that god still move there are people who believe that though the prophetic has been distorted and it has been adulterated but there is still the prophetic that is of authentic and comes from god and whatever it takes it doesn't matter how long we gotta pray it doesn't matter how long that we gotta fast we're gonna stay on our knees we're gonna hold on to the horn of the altar we're not gonna bend we're not gonna let the devil talk us out of our inheritance in christ we're gonna contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. we're gonna say god we want to drive the devil out of the church i wish somebody would be on the keyboard and help me now we're gonna say god we want to drive the devil out of our marriages enough is enough of the christian home acting crazy christian teenagers acting crazy young men acting crazy lord we're gonna drive the devil out of the streets we're gonna drive the devil out of the highways and the byways we are coming in the name of the Lord against the spirit of addiction. We are coming against depression. We are coming against perversion. We are coming against every work of darkness. We refuse to be in this city and allow the devil to ravage the land. Enough is enough. I hear the Spirit says the hour has come for the sons of God to manifest. Somebody stand on your feet and shout. And that's what this house is about. Sit down for a few minutes. That's what God called us to do at this place, the supernatural life center. That's what God called us to do. That's why I get up early in the morning and I come here sometimes 2 a.m. 3 a.m. and I start to pray that's why my wife and I drive many nights on 407 and 401 and all them highways highway 27 that's why we drive every night and plead in the blood of Jesus upon this region because we understand that the politicians cannot hallelujah fix uh, all this craziness they are spiritual and until the saints of God uh, take on the front line uh, and begin to command uh, and decree the things that be not uh, to appear so there it's not going to be a change do you not know that one child of God who has the Spirit of God working inside of them can unsettle a nation now one man by the name of Philip he went to Samaria and one man a Bible says and there was great joy in the city of Samaria because one man came who am I talking to tonight God told me to come and speak correct word authentic gospel to somebody and what the Spirit of God is saying Is that in this hour? I've anointed you and I've called you and I've separated you. I set you apart and I put my oil upon you and I placed you in the family where you are. I placed you in the industry where you are. I placed you to be the limit breaker. I called you to be the line crosser. I called you to be the exception to the rule. I caused you to be contagious for the power, the living, moving, authentic power of the gospel of Jesus that's on your life to change the region where you operate if you're ready to go on that journey say I'm ready Lord so God told us to come here every day and to continue to seek his faith this is not the end of the move of God here the ship is not the end it's just the beginning tell somebody about beside you say it's just the beginning oh come on tell somebody tell three people say it's just the beginning so what you're seeing right now say oh uh, uh, I don't like it am I preaching the right church what's the address of this place is this the right ministry okay tell somebody tell somebody Say it's just the beginning Mm-mm-mm-mm. no 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 I need, I need some fire in this building tell somebody it's just the beginning Tell, tell five people it's just the beginning come on come on touch three people tell them it's just the beginning it's just the beginning it's just the beginning This is just the start of something amazing. Glory to God. And tomorrow, by the grace of God, we're starting a 14-day countdown to the new year. Did you hear me, somebody? We're starting what? Say somebody. How many days? 14-day, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We mean it. Yes, ma'am. 14-day countdown into the new year. Every day, we're going to be meeting. Every day we're gonna be here praying for 10 day a countdown into destiny, into victory, into glory. Somebody say, "Well, that's something." Yes, I know that's all it takes. That's it takes that and much more for you to press into something humongous in this season. Because I'm tired of games. Tell free people, I'm tired of games. I'm tired of doing church. I'm I'm expecting the glory. So we're going to be having 14-day countdown into the new year. It's a prophetic season. And God is going to be opening us up into amazing dimensions of revelation and grace and glory. And I want you to please mark your calendar. Some of y'all need to even uh, be more uh, intentional in how you approach these 14 days and come here fasting. You come here believing. Come here trusting God for something that is going to happen in your life. Tap somebody beside you and say expression of God. No, not, not right. Come on, tap two people. Say expression of God. Say expression. So when you come to church, attitude is everything. Tell somebody, attitude is everything. Jesus could not do much work in Jerusalem because of their what? And then, you know, unbelief is an attitude. Come on, somebody. How do I know you don't believe something? How do I know you believe something? How do I know you know you're going to be blessed? How do you know somebody who is sick? How do you know somebody healthy? How do you know somebody depressed? Okay, so if you're sitting beside somebody with the wrong attitude, please, with my permission, take your bag, do a roll check, to the right, and to the left, and you see somebody who has a contagious, depressive attitude, but like, glory, you know what, come sit in my chair. (laughs) I, I permit you leave lift up. I'll be like, oh my God, I, I cannot handle. You need people on your right and your left who have a winning spirit. Are you ready, somebody? Okay, we don't want people who came to investigate what's happening here. Say, Let's go check out what's going on. Let we are investigative Christians. <laughs> We came to investigate what are they doing there. How many people showed up? What's, what's he preaching about? What's, who, who, who's singing? Who's preaching? Uh, Is it's, it's, it's Juanita Bynum coming tonight? Oh, what's our going on? If you came with that kind of attitude and you see somebody like, just take your back. Glory to God. I came for Jesus. <laughs> I came to be blessed. Come and tell somebody, say tonight. God. Come and say with an attitude. Say God will express the fullness of himself to you let me hear you say amen turn your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Acts of Apostle chapter 12 I believe we're all gonna read one verse and I'll start to lay the foundation of what God wants to download tonight Acts of Apostle pardon me 17 and verse 23 Acts of Apostle chapter number 17 and verse 23 Tonight, I want to talk to you on what I call uh, the full expression of God. Acts 17 and verse 23. Acts 17 and 23. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship and this is what I am going to proclaim to you the difference between religion and relationship when it comes to our understanding of God is that religion is Man finding God. Relationship is God finding man. Religion is us creating our ladder, our long ladder to reach God in heaven. And relationship is God sending down a ladder to take us to heaven. And Paul the Apostle in the first century, Christianity walked to this city of Athens, and he found out that the people were given to multiple worship of God They had a pantheon of gods that arrayed the streets of Athens, and Paul began to wonder how such a, 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 a people who were philosophical, in their in their daily expression of life, had that connectivity to all of these gods. How come you all have so many confusion about who God is, and what his power is? And as he walked the streets of Athens, he found another inscription in an altar that was erected in one corner, and it, it said to an unknown God. And so they put up idols for everything that they could see and everything they could express they put up an altar and of God and an idol to the sun, and another idol to the moon and to the star and to different days of the week they put on idols for different uh, seasons uh, and, 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 and and the harvest season they, they they have an idol and for different events and circumstances of life they have an idol for 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 the time of birth they have another for when somebody died they have an idol for love they have an idol for hate, they have one for vengeance, they have one for war and blood, they have all kinds of gods but yet in the midst of their idols, their pantheon of gods, they have one altar and they say to an unknown god. So here Paul came and he said this god for whom you have made this idol and you don't even know him. It is him that I have come now to proclaim to and as I started to study the history of that particular passage uh, our history says that there was a time where the Athenians uh, they had a a drought and they had a break out of an epidemic and they started to die and then they had committed some kind of offense and they 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 started a sacrifice to all the gods they knew night and day they burned offerings and they made all kinds of libation uh, but the epidemic refused to go until one man glory to God whom they sent for he said to them there is a God that's different from all the gods that you know and he's the God of heaven and earth and though you don't know him but this wrath has come from that God because he's trying to get your attention he's trying to get you to looking at him and trust him and then they asked this God, this a prophet who woman history call his name Epimenides. Uh, they said to so Epimenides uh, what shall we do? Uh, he said to them build an altar to this God uh, and they said well we are used to building an altar that's not a big deal. Uh, we can build an altar to this God but what is the name of this God? Uh, because we have all these multiple gods. Uh, we got to put the name of the God that we are building an altar to on the altar so that when the sacrifices goes uh, into the heavens uh, the right God can claim it Uh, and and, and he said no you don't want to upset this God uh, by presuming to know his name. And they said, so how do we know what to put on this altar? He said, put an inscription to an, an unknown God. He says, this God will pardon your ignorance. I would rather for you to put a name that does not belong to him. And so they put an, an altar to an unknown God. He told them to get seven lambs and to sacrifice the seven lambs upon the altar. And when they, when they put the uh, seven lambs uh, and, and and they sacrificed them. Uh, and this was way before the time of Christ, by the way. Uh, and, and, and then when they put those altars and, 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 and the sacrifices, uh, the, the wrath was... Appeased and it ceased, and for too long, the Athenians continue to come to this altar for many years. And they were just, you know, worship there. And said, We don't know to whom we worship, glory to God, we don't have an understanding of, of, of who He is, what He looks like, what His name is. But this altar saved us, and as centuries went by, that altar had become a relic of what it used to be, glory to God. And by the time Paul came, he it was just an inscription sitting in one corner of their street, an altar to an unknown God. and Paul said, "It is this God that I have come to introduce to you." And now in our churches and in the body of Christ today it seemed as if God has become a stranger in his own house did you hear me somebody God has become unknown by his own people are you hearing me somebody it seemed as if we have created a relic an altar and we have almost put on that altar to an unknown God it seemed to me as if sometimes when you look around churches as if the God of the Bible it's not the same God that we believe in today it seemed as if when you read your Bible and you talk about the miracles of the Bible they seem to have become our tales by moonlight or what we say to children to keep them to sleep at night we claim that God can heal but we don't see healing in the church we claim that God can bless. But the Christians are not walking in blessing. We claim that God can deliver. But we don't see deliverance in the lives of God's people. We claim that God is a God of joy, peace and power. But we see depression. We see misery amongst the people of God. And everybody gets to a point where we are faking it. And everybody and the spirit of hypocrisy is now in the church. And we all get to blend in the rhythm of what we call church church and we all have an obligation to perform and the pastors are performing and the and, and, and the singers are performing and then everybody come to church and we're just gonna hoop and dance and we're gonna raise up our hands and we feel nothing in our belly there's no turning in our spirit and the power of God is so strong to the church and we keep getting it right it seems massive we have created a system and the routine of church We are so churchy. When the preacher preach, we say Hallelujah. When they preach, we say Praise the Lord. But deep down in our belly, we go back home to the same old misery. Who am I preaching to, somebody? We say Christians. I come to church. Our people sing in the choir on a Sunday morning and commit suicide on Tuesday night. What's wrong with this church? We have an altar to an unknown god. Come on, somebody, show me that. God of our salvation, show me the God who parted the Red Sea. Show me the God who walked on the water. Show me the God who made thousands to eat from five loaves of bread and two fish. Show me the God who brought the dead back to life. I say to God, if this gospel is it's not backed up with the manifestation of your power. I don't want to preach it. I don't want to pretend that everything is okay. I better have the glory, or have nothing else. Did you hear me, somebody? I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of people saying all is well. It shall be well. It gotta be well now. He's God of the now. He's God of this moment. The anoint is gonna move, and I hear the Spirit of God says right about now I'm going to stir the water and I'm going to shake the church God is about to shake the church and everything else that is not of God is about to go out I need three people to agree with me need four people to agree with me i need seven people to agree with me i need 40 people to agree with me i need somebody to cry from their belly bring down your glory i gotta see the glory i'm tired of this heaviness i'm tired of these demons coming to press me down at night and i say that i carry the holy ghost i need the glory i need the glory now bring down the glory. Bring down the anointing. Bring down the healing. Bring down the restoration. We are tired. The God to whom you build an altar and you don't know him. I have come to explain or to proclaim him to you. You are sitting for a minute. The enemy understands this old time strategy that he cannot do anything to subdue the kingdom of God or the church of the living God. Listen Satan knows that if he tries to attack the church from a frontal warfare he's never gonna prevail. Look in my eyes everybody. Jesus said I will build my church and the gate of hell help me somebody shall not do what prevail against it. i want to help you here tonight i want to help you here tonight because god is about to shift things in your life and, and to prevail against something means you are advancing or charging at it I, I, are you with me somebody you see every time the devil charges against the believer against the church of jesus every time the devil come headlong against the church he always going to be pushed back because jesus said i will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail against it and when you start to study the the the, the armors of righteousness the armors of god you will realize that the bible puts on a lot of uh, weapons and a lot of armory around the believer. God covers uh, uh, the head. He puts uh, the, the helmet of salvation. God covers the chest uh, with the what? The breastplate of righteousness. God covers the entire body from the head to the toe in the front uh, with the shield of faith. How many of y'all know that the Roman shield uh, were about the size of each man's body. In other words, it covers them uh, and they can form, glory to God, uh, a shield shield with every man's shield you know beside each other They, they form a fence of defense and that the enemy cannot penetrate are you with me somebody the enemy knows when I come in like a flood when he comes in you know how a flood comes the flood comes right in your face are you with me somebody when I commit lack of fraud the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him he knows that and that's why the devil changed the tactics the devil says I will no more approach or attack believers right in their face and you know what the devil did he started to enter from the back because now there is no provision for the behind, when you study the armor of God, there's nothing covering your back. Your, your back is vulnerable. And and the devil, oh, I want to help somebody. When the devil tried to get Jesus, he came at him headlong, he never got him. Every time I know the devil didn't get Jesus, he laid down his life, but in his own mind, he thought he was getting Jesus. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says the Pharisees, they would come to attack Jesus and they couldn't do it. The Bible says one time they came and tried to put Jesus down through the a cleft of the rock and he'd he himself away and walk out of their midst. They, there was nothing they did against Jesus that they could get him. But the devil says, okay, if I can't get him in the face, I will get him from behind. And that's why Satan planted Judas Iscariot you would me, somebody? And what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of law could not do in three and a half years, Judas Iscariot did it in one week. Am I talking to somebody right now? Listen to me. You need to understand that you are putting your focus on the wrong strategy of warfare. And you are employing the rule of engagement. If your concern is about what the devil is going to do in your face because when that the Bible says they will come against you in one way but they'll do what they'll flee in seven ways so when you focus on what the devil is doing in your face you are you are adopting the wrong rule of engagement Because the devil ain't about what he's going to do in your face. Because he knows each time he comes in your face, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard. That's why you had that accident and you didn't die. Did you hear me somebody? That's why people attack you in your place of work and God still frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. That's why every sickness that you had, that, that, that's why the devil couldn't take you out. That's why you came out of cancer like nothing happened to you. That's why you were able globally, God, to defeat every onslaught, every financial attack, everything the devil did in your face. You listen to me. You were able to come it down when you Know your enemy, can I talk to somebody? You already have a victory over him because the, the, the thing that gives the devil that gives him an advantage, and you with me, somebody is the fact that you don't know him. Secrecy is the greatest asset in military intelligence, and that's why they send out spies. And when I feel the Holy Ghost, and when the spies come, their mission is to hide. They are undercover agent, and when they hide, they want to strike. They want to get information about what's going on in your life. I'm talking to somebody tonight. You are looking at the devil coming in your face. But you do you, you ignore the devil that's trying to creep in under your cloth. I'm not preaching to somebody. The devil is creeping in on the church. And we are concerned with witchcraft. Witchcraft is not the problem of the church. Sorcerers are not the problem of the church. It's those dark elements that are creeping into the pulpit. Uh, those sorcerers uh, that we don't need we begin to ignore them uh, they're creeping in on the ministry they are coming in at night uh, they wear nice suits uh, they speak in tongues uh, they jump all over the pulpit uh, but they are not of God uh, they are the real enemy of the gospel who am I preaching to tonight they are the ones uh, holding back uh, the power of the kingdom I want to help somebody tonight The devil says, I'm going to creep in from inside from the back of the church listen to me let the saints be engaged fighting me in the front line but they, they know that they can. I can never defeat them on the front line so I'm gonna plant an adulteration of the gospel right in their midst and that's what the devil does listen to me somebody when the devil going and take somebody out he doesn't have to send ten wishes he only need to send you one friend Who is not really your friend? Can I talk to somebody right now? What 500 witches cannot do in 10 years if you have a friend in your life who is a serpent? Can I talk to somebody who is the snake who is carrying out the devil's assignment? That person will be there waiting for the right time to strike you when you have a a, a situation. They are the first person that you pick the phone and call. Who am I talking to right now? They develop trust to make you. Depend on them; they make you feel or uh, think uh, that they are there to serve you, uh, but they are waiting for the right time uh, to strike you out. Uh, can I speak to somebody? Uh, don't care about those who claim uh, to be your enemies, uh, because you already know. Uh, if someone told you uh, that I'm an armed robber, uh, I'm coming to your house uh, on the 28th of December uh, at 2 a.m. Uh, tell me if they're going to break in. Uh, that mission is forfeited. Uh, that when somebody says i'm your friend i love you i care about you we are in this together but in deep in the real sense they are not serving you that's where the danger is who am i preaching to right now and so over the years the devil has been coming on the church and he's been changing the power of the kingdom right from the within and he's bringing all this of messages uh, that is not of God uh, who am I preaching to tonight uh, he's bringing all these rituals uh, into the church uh, he's bringing the spirit of religion uh, he's bringing all this tradition of man uh, he's bringing all these systems uh, he's corrupting the saints uh, he put ambassadors on the altar you tell them the wrong thing uh, tell them what they want to hear uh, you confuse them uh, and the people are eating it uh, God's people are buying it he's uh, the devil's food he's uh, powerless christianity in the practice of religion god says i'm gonna overturn her overturn her overturn her the hour has come for the father to shift something in the church jesus said every tree which my father has has not planted shall be uprooted." enough is enough we are taking back the kingdom We are taking back the kingdom. Tell somebody, take it back. Satan knows if I attack the Christian in their face, I can't get them. Let me creep in from behind and mess them up. And so for generation, are you with me somebody? Somebody say, if you're here, say I'm here. For generation, the church has been Contending with demonic forces within its own house. And what the devil wants to do is to take out the authenticity of the gospel and the simplicity of the gospel. Look at my eyes, somebody. He wants to do what? Take out the power of the gospel from your life. A whole lot of people come to church year in, year out, and they never see nothing move in their lives. A lot of people keep tiding. And they keep planting seeds. But nothing really changes. Is that the real gospel? It's an adulteration of the kingdom. And the devil poses his ambassadors on the altar. And their mission is to, is to confuse us. Are, are, are you here, somebody? They have a mission to project some appearance of God. Ah, uh, you're not hearing me, somebody? Something that has a form a likeness of God but lacks the power of the kingdom Mm, you didn't hear me somebody they look like it's God you hear them talk the church language but you just know in your belly something ain't right and 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 one thing I know about the authentic God oh God help me now is that the God whom we serve and whose we are he places the anointing as a watch as a sensor in the belly of every believer have you ever been in an atmosphere that you enter and the, and the preachers preaching good he's got a nice suit on but you just feel an unsettled in your belly you feel like wait I cannot Tell what it is. I cannot explain it. But something ain't right here. There's something that's just out of place here. And then, and then it's not about it's, it's not about how fancy the place is. It's just that something is not right here. And, and and my wife knows that I'm the least critical person that you were ever made because I just always make excuses for people. And and and, and even if your style of ministry is different from my style ministry. I don't jump into quick conclusions and write you off that you are not of the Father. But there is a weakness in my belt. There is a witness inside of me that begins to uh, uh, try to tune into the presence of God. Listen to me. Some of the most amazing encounters of God uh, that I have witnessed happened glory to God in some of the most remote parts of the world uh, where people don't have uh, clean water, no electricity glory to God, no fancy roof no carpet, no sound system no uh, high tech lighting but they just came to have a a, a God connection glory to God you see kids uh, are dancing under the rain you see the anointing of the Holy Ghost one missionary went to some parts of Africa and then she started to raise an army of orphans an army of little kids who who had lost every hope of survival in this life and those army of little children they turned into intercessors and they turned into healing evangelists And, and, and there was a time that three of those children raised up the dead I mean they were less than 20 they were 13 and 14 and 9 and 10 and they would go out and raise the dead and pray on the sick and they would recover and then you can see the glory of God on little kids with tattered clothes who just love God and yet we cannot see the presence of God in the churches in Toronto and then we have every beautiful things and some of us we make way more money we actually need and yet we are depressed and you see children who have not eaten for two days dancing and saying, in the presence of God there is fullness of joy because the devil knows when the gospel is preached in simplicity and authority miracles will happen and I'm not talking about demonic miracles I'm talking about the miracles that come from God so Satan now I want to help somebody tonight. He started to engage the church in subtle but antithetical gospel concept. Number one thing the devil began to promote is an emphasis on intellectualism. And we now seem to be worshiping intellectualism and logic. Rather than the power of God. And Paul said, for our gospel came unto on, you with the enticing words of men's wisdom. But in a demonstration of the power and the spirit of God. And the church has drifted away from that simple, powerful uh, message of the gospel. And everybody is trying to be intellectual. And now it's getting to a point where preachers are no more pastors. They don't like being called pastors. Call me motivational speaker. Uh, are you hearing me somebody? I'm I'm an empowerment specialist. And 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 sometimes you hear people Take two hours, three hours, one, 90 minutes of their time to speak to God's people. Oh, God Almighty. And the church is the house of prayer, the house of power. It's a spiritual embodiment. The Bible says it's the foundation and pillar of truth. And they, and they speak to God's people. And all that they keep telling God's people is the philosophy of man. The enticing words of men's wisdom. Ah, claim it, get it, feel it, do it. And they try to appeal to your senses and the church now has drifted to the point that people have become intellectual junkie they want to be served with your degrees and and don't don't don't, don't before I've got a couple of degrees myself but Paul the Apostle said when I gather all the degrees the things that are gained to me I count them loss that are my win Christ hear me because the real power of the gospel is not demonstrated by men who are intellectual but the power of the gospel is demonstrated from the Spirit of God can I talk to somebody right now a Bible says for you know that not many of you who are learned after the wisdom of men but God has used the foolish things of this world to confound the things that are wise and God has used the weak things of this world to confound the things that are strong cannot bring to somebody God is not looking for the intellectual God is not looking for the graduate from Harvard God is not looking for people who can come here and impress us with how much they know God is looking for somebody with a humble spirit a willing vessel a prayerful woman a prayerful man show me somebody who knows their God show me somebody who can bend their knees and call upon God, show me somebody who can go to the third heaven and bring the glory down and the anointing. We come to the church and find the spirit of intellectualism and find the spirit of logic, faith, is the access to the power of God. Are you still thinking about it? He's not asking you to think about it. He's asking you to obey his word. He's asking you to reach out and say, Lord, it doesn't make sense, but I believe. When it makes sense to you it's not God none of the things of God make sense <laughs> I was preaching here a few days ago I said it's a senseless gospel did you hear me somebody it's a what it's senseless tell me what part of a gospel makes sense for unto us a child is born a virgin shall have a, a, a baby and, and give birth well, what part of that makes sense turning water to wine does that make sense somebody's blind you spout on the floor you're making a mess to touch his eyes how how sensible is that how biological is that how scientific is that you are you are, you are broke god says let the rich say i'm uh, let, 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 let the weak say i'm stronger uh, and, and then let the what says I'm rich how can you tell me that I'm rich man of God when in fact I'm what I'm poor God says you proclaim what you see for faith call it those things that be not as though they were how can you be feeling down and God says uh, when men are cast down I shall say there is lifting up none of the things of God makes sense uh, and as long as this church uh, this 21st century church uh, these believers uh, who are addicted to their intellectualism this information Technology generation, as long as when we come to the presence of God, we put down our high look and our logic and all the things that we think we know, and we submit to God's glory. And you say, God, I'm tired of trying to fix my life. And we believe Google, but we don't believe our Bible. I'm trying, oh God, I'm I'm, 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 I'm tired of trying to fix my destiny. I come to you, God. We believe the marriage expert, but we don't believe God's word about marriage we believe the financial expert we read New York Times we try to read the readings of the new stock New York stock market but we don't read our Bible we leave the word of God apart the Bible says for my God I don't care what the economy says my God shall supply all my according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus Come on, somebody. You get to a point where the Bible becomes your reason, the Bible becomes your philosophy, the Bible becomes your ideology, the Bible becomes your way of thought. What is not in the Word of God? I don't want it. I don't care who is doing it. I don't care is making it popular? I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says. I don't care what Dr. Phil says. It is not in the Bible. I don't want it. I want the Bible. I want the power of the Bible. I want the blessing of the Bible. The devil is not fighting us with witches. Is fighting us with teachers who are promoting intellectualism, who are telling God's people don't worry about it, you just start to depend on the wisdom of man. Many of God's people are missing out on their destiny because their trust in the wisdom of God of man, rather than the power of God. The Bible says, Elisha. is sat in the corner of his house, and he saw everything that the Syrian army were planning, because the spirit of the Lord showed him. And he would send a message to the king of Israel, said, "Do not go this way. Avoid that way. Avoid that way." And and the, and the king of Syria said, "We have a snitch here. We have somebody telling out on us. How did they know what we're planning?" And somebody said, well, (laughs) there is a man of God. He knows what you do in your own very bed. Are you you with me, somebody? My God, there's an anointing in this building. Men are not moved by bread. They are not moved. Men that change the world for God. They are not moved by the enticing words of men's wisdom. They are not moved by what they know, what they see. They are moved by revelation of God men that walk as gods among men because they have been to the third heaven (laughs) men who have no inhibition no jurisdiction nothing holding them nothing stopping them can you talk to somebody you don't need a prophet to mess up your mind you don't need somebody to tell you there's a witch in your family because you've been to heaven and back you hear me somebody. You've been to heaven and back. You've been to the glory of God. You've touched the hem of his garment. You know your father. He says, I know my ship. They hear my... P- my ship will hear my voice. Somebody stand up on your feet. There's a shift that's taking place in your spirit. God is shifting something. Enough is enough. We are tired of intellectualism. We are tired of deception. We want the real power. There's a a man of God. He knows what you do in your own bed. Nothing is hidden from this man of God. He said, Really? He said, send me some soldiers to get him. The Bible said they sent Elisha some soldiers. And when they got to where the man of God was, and they said, Elisha, we have come to get you. The Bible says all around, they surrounded the entire mountain, the entire neighborhood with soldiers. Because they came to get one man, a prophet of God. One man who hears from God. He's bigger than an army are you hear me somebody why do the people rage and the people imagine the vain thing the kings of the earth they take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed he that sitteth in heaven he shall laugh for them the Lord shall speak to them in the rich, one child of God is all it takes for a family to change one child of God is all it takes for a school to change one child of God is what it, it takes for an office to to change. One child of God who knows who they serve is what it takes for a generation to change. They send the soldiers to to get one man and the servant of the man of God who built an altar to an unknown God. Did you hear me? Many Christians they build an altar to a God whom they don't know. Many come to church, they build an altar. They have a, ch- a Christian name. They, they dance, but they don't know this God. Come on, somebody. I, I, are you here, somebody? Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me, somebody? They, they, and, and the servant of the man of God, he built an altar to a God whom he did not know. And then he said to the man of God, hey, we are in trouble. Isn't that what some Christians do? When they, when they have a bad dream, they wake up, oh, 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 oh what's happening to me? You see, some believers they go on 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 horoscope website. I want to know what's going to happen to me today. And they said, put your birthday, boom. Put your name, boom. And they come to church, but they said, what is your star sign? Are you are you Pisces, or are you what again now? Are you what now? Are you Leo? It said and then they read in the newspaper my god church people building an altar to a God they don't know they build an altar to an anointing they, they, they have no access to but they build an altar there and they put the scripture there an altar to an unknown God they need a prophet to tell them who God is because they don't know him uh, and, and, and they go to the newspaper and they are looking for uh, the, the, the horos, horoscope section that's your favorite corner and then you pick and say today um, this is for, for the Tyros. Is that something called Tyros or something like that? Say, don't go out today. He said, today stay indoors because uh, some misfortune might be happening to you. And then you say, oh my God, what is this? Because you don't know what the Bible says. You build an altar to an unknown god. Some of you go to a Chinese shop, uh, store to eat restaurant uh, food, and then you go there and say, Oh, we we'll give you fortune cookies. And then you are looking out for those fortune cookies after you ate let me, it. Let me read this thing. On Tuesday, you are going to blow up and die. The other day, I went to eat somewhere, and they're trying to give me fortune cookies. I said, I already know my fortune. <laughs> I know my fortune. It's sealed in Christ Jesus. They built an altar to a God whom they did not know. The servant of Elisha did not know who he believed. He had an altar. He stayed with the man of God. Man of God, you know you can go to church every week, but you still don't know him. They built an altar to God. And he said, man of God, we are dead here. But the man of God said, what are you talking about? The problem between you and me is I am in a realm, you are in this realm. You can be in the same church building, and somebody's in the realm of God, and somebody's in the realm of fear. And the man of God said, Lord, open his eyes. And that's what I'm asking God to do to the church now. We build an altar to this God that He's so strange to us. And that's why we're feeling like we are dead and, and we are talking hopeless words and we are we are acting all crazy. Lord, open his eyes. God open his eyes. Open his eyes, Lord. Let him see your glory. Let him see that they are stronger than what they think on the outside. Let the eyes of your understanding be a light. And then, and then the Lord opened his eyes. The Bible says he saw, hear me. That the mountains around were surrounded with chariots of fire. Hear me somebody. The chariots of fire did not come when God opened his eyes. He only saw it. Even now there is victory in your life. You just don't know it. Even now there is provision in your life. You are just blind to see it. Even now. Everything that seems to be working against you. is working for your good. But you just don't see it. Open his eyes. And when the Lord opened his eyes, please sit down for two minutes. I'm almost done. The Syrians came and the man of God said, Lord, give them blindness. Give them blindness. Faith is the link to the power of God. And nothing about the faith makes sense. Nothing about it makes sense. Because God is going to use the ridiculous to produce the miraculous. And as long as you are being spoon-fed by a spiritual junk meal of intellectualism, it will never boost your faith to trust God for the impossible. It's going to keep appealing to your senses. And it's going to make you think through everything. With the meticulous detail of a carnal mind but it's not going to stretch your faith to believe god and so the devil is killing the miracles from within the church because he knows he cannot attack us from the front line am i talking to somebody let me enter them from behind and plant my people there who have not seen the power of the gospel Some of the people teaching and preaching on the pulpit have not even experienced salvation. But they are very smart, and very smooth, and very famous, and very well dressed, beautifully mannered. They master the church language. They whoop and yell. And the keyboard is awesome and the people of god are getting wrapped up in all that sensation but the power is absent the power is absent and they boost our our, our, our morale and, and 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 our human emotions they feed your emotions somebody even said just do it afraid The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear. Just do it afraid. God has given us the spirit of power of love and of a sound mind. Until we get back. The authenticity of the gospel. We'll continue to build an altar to a God whom we don't know. And it continues to be further and further away from the power of the gospel. We have to understand that the kingdom of God is not in words only but the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost and that a feel good message cannot save me it can, it can give you good people it can help you for 10 minutes but then when you, are, when you get back home to the reality of your situation it's, it's there waiting for you A feel good word, an intellectual word, a beautiful, you know, synonyms and beautiful oration cannot save this generation. We need a power of the gospel. And we need to preach the message that increases the faith of God's people. To believe God for the impossible. This is our year. Especially as we approach the new year, there's a switch taking place in the spirit right now. And God is calling the church into a place of encounter. Give me a people that will walk through the fiery furnace of fire. Not because they are smart, but because they are actually not smart. Tell me one smart person that says, put me in that fire. Come on somebody. Did you hear me? Somebody tell me one smart person that says, Just for praying some prayers and not praying some prayers, I'll throw you in the lion's den. I'm like, Just to pray some prayers, what's the prayer? I'm praying it right now. Any more prayer to pray? Just don't throw me in the lion's den. When the decree of the king went out that anyone that prayed to uh, uh, anyone but, God, but the king would be thrown in the lion's den, Daniel said, No. I'm not praying to nobody. I'm praying only to the living God. And how smart is that? That's dumb by every human standard. Until you are too dumb for the world, you cannot enter the realm of God. When your life still makes sense to your unbelieving friends, you can't see the glory of God. they understand you 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 are not with god when god is moving your life nobody is going to understand you you tell them i heard the word from the lord they "Uh -uh said you started again you're not making sense i know i'm not making sense because i'm not operating from the realm of senses i'm operating from the higher realm am i talking to somebody right now you cannot operate from the sense realm and encounter God, you have to bypass your senses. You have to bypass your cognitive senses and see the invincible and achieve the impossible. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say one more and I'm going to leave this place tonight. The devil positions those ambassadors and you know one of the things they are making popular now, the first, first thing is intellectualism. The second thing is that Gain is godliness and now it's come to a point whereby in our churches today the richer you get the more God is with you and people look at your car to judge your anointing and when you go to pastors conferences it's even worse because everybody's asking, what's he driving? What suit is he wearing? And pastors ask, who are you wearing? I'm wearing Armani. I'm wearing Versace. I'm wearing, I'm wearing Gucci. And they say, I'm wearing Dolce & Gabbana. Oh, whew, that's anointing right there. <laughs> that man is anointed from the crown of his head. Soul of his feet. And pastor said, what are you flying? I'm flying Citation. I'm flying Gulf Street. That's what I'm flying. What are you driving? Bentley. Say, yeah, God's been good, brother. And we are feeding the sins with that. And we forget that godliness is gain. And that the blessings of God make it rich. And I have no sorrow. Come on, somebody. And those God bless his people, yes. But the blessing is not the end. It's just a means. It's just a means. To promote the gospel. It's just a tool. It's not about the money. It's about the kingdom. And we are misguiding and misleading an entire generation into coming to church because they have a financial need and nothing more. And God supply every need, but He wants to be the God of your heart. And this is where it gets hot to now, because the only idol of the only God, which Jesus compared or tried to say, would try to compare itself to the Almighty God, is the spirit of mammon. Jesus said, Hear me. You cannot serve God in mammon." I'm not talking to somebody right now. All wouldn't love preachers to talk to you. Don't worry. You just lift your hand. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get some money in your don't worry about it. It's gonna to come together. You're gonna to get, don't worry, God's gonna give you three or five, fifty million dollars. Oh, glory to God. God. Mammon tries to take the in every man's heart when you start to read your bible you see how mammon tries to equate itself with god the bible said for with god all things are possible the same bible say money answered all things so it's not possible to chase both at the same time you cannot chase mammon and god at the same time come on somebody But when you become a chaser of God, He says, don't worry. You seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Let me change your life. Let me change your thought process. Let me change the way of your thinking. You can have more money and be more miserable. But let me give you a change of soul. Let me deliver you. I've seen people who have money but they commit a suicide. One platinum selling artist in the UK, in London. Very young, very charming, very pretty girl, very successful. She's wild thing. She died in her own condo in the midst of that success. She committed suicide. Why? Because there's no amount of money that can replace the joy of the Lord. There's no amount of money that can replace the peace of God. Jesus said, My peace I give unto you. Not as the word given. There's no amount of money that can chase demons away from under your bed at night. And when all you hear every Sunday, it's this gospel that tells you, don't worry, needs a man, money coming, money coming, claim it. money right, money left, and you don't have a hunger for God. You are exalting mammon above the living God. And as we seek the kingdom, God blesses you, you didn't even take time to observe it. It's the bankers that tell you how blessed you really are. And you say, really, it's all for the kingdom." You're not consumed by it. And you know why God hasn't even opened certain doors for some people? Because God knows the moment I bless you, that's the last day you'll be in church. God knows some people, they're going to have long life if they did not have certain access to money. If I give you some money, you're going to die so quick. (laughs) People ask, whoa, I said to people, money has no character, it takes on the character of its owner. I'll never know your character until you have a control of a sizable amount of money. Are you with me, somebody? But when, the, when, when you have good finance, good money in your hands, then your real personality comes. But you don't need to work for nobody. When you don't have to come to church and clean the floor. When you're a millionaire and you come to the church and wash the bathroom, now you are humble. God is calling us back in this hour. I can sense it. It's almost like each morning I wake up. There's an urgency in the spirit and the Lord is saying, the hour is now. Go out there and tell my people, I'm going to restore the glory. Come on somebody, stand to your feet tonight. Come and stand to your feet tonight. Come and start to your...